0: Log talk radio. Jehudi Wesley Gray, and I'm broadcasting live from New York City on Sunday, April 29th, 2012, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And I must say that it is my pleasure to be with you this evening, and I give thanks to the One Most High, my ancestors, my guardians, my mother-in-law, my siblings, and my dear wife. I am A interfaith minister, a reiki practitioner and shaman, and a a marathon runner, as well as uh, an internet entrepreneur. And I I sell African drums from my website. Uh, The URL of that website is www.drumsofchange.com. I also sell uh, other instruments other than drums, and I sell books. As a matter of fact, all the books that I mention on my show and read from and, and review are sold on my website at drumsofchange.com. Uh There's other things that you can acquire at uh, my website through the uh, venue of my um, store, the drum store and bookstore, uh, and those things are any household items and clothing. and I uh, just say a, a plethora of... Uh, goods in, and services that uh, you might find very interesting. Um, with this evening show, we will continue talking about the book titled Spiritual Warrior, and uh, we will be placing an emphasis on this section uh, about ancient pyramids of the Kemetic um, community uh, in Africa, commonly known, or should I say the, the country in Africa, commonly known as Egypt. Um, We are reminded about how important it is to understand the the laws of of karma and and, uh, the laws of governing one's life uh, within uh, the certain uh, confines of uh, this society in which many of us live in, which I'm living in, within the Western society. And um, I must add, though, that I'm not an expert in, in the teachings of Mahat, the wisdom of Mahat, Uh, the ancient Egyptian path to enlightenment through uh, the virtue of nonviolence as uh, described by the book by Dr. Muta Abhaya Ashby. Uh, My wife, who is a queen mother, is very versed in the area, as as well as uh, her godfather who initiated her. Uh, But as I was talking about uh, earlier, the laws of karma, uh, should I say, dealing with... uh, Uh, the essence of living a righteous life I'd like to just go over the 42 uh, Kemetic principles uh, and the 42 precepts of Mahat and that being um, I will start off with I have not done iniquity I have not robbed with violence I have not stolen I have not slain men or women I have not murdered man or woman I have not defrauded offerings. I have not robbed the things that belong to God. That's number seven. Number eight, I have not lied. Nine, I have not snatched any food. Ten, I have not uttered curses or evil words, which is something that I really hold uh, very much to in terms of something that many of us, especially those of us who profess to be on a spiritual plane, or should I say those who profess to be Teachers on the spiritual plane have to uh, bear witness to the fact that their tongue can sometimes be uh, uh, very loose with regard to cursing and using words which are not really of the highest, uh, highest self orientation, but more so of lower self. Uh, number 11, I have not committed adultery or homosexuality. 12, I have not caused anyone sorrow. 13. I have not grieved uselessly or felt remorse. 14. I have not attacked anyone. 15. I, I am not a person who lives by deceiving others or myself. 16. I have not laid waste the plowed lands. 17. I have not been an eavesdropper or pride into matters to make mischief. 18. I have not spoken against slander, I, I have not spoken against anyone. 19, I have not allowed myself to become angry without cause. 20, I have not committed adultery. 21, I have not committed adultery. Repeat it again. Yes, indeed. 22, I have not committed any sin against my own purity. 23, I have terrorized no one. 24, I have not broken any laws for the good of society. 25, I have not uttered fiery Words. I have not been a man or woman of anger. I have not struck fear into anyone. 26. I have not stopped my ears against the words of right and wrong. 27. I have not blasphemed. 28. I have not avenged myself. 29. I have not worked grief. I have not abused anyone. 30. I have not acted or judged hastily. 31. I have not been an eavesdropper. 32. I have not multiplied my speech overmuch. 33. I have not done harm or evil. And 34. I have not worked treason or curses on the king. 35. I have never befouled the water. 36. I have not spoken scornfully. 37. I have not cursed the god. 38. I have not behaved with arrogance. 39. I have not stolen the bread of the gods. And 40, I have not stolen the offerings of the spirits of the dead. 41, I have not snatched away the bread of the child or ignored the God. And lastly, 42, I have not slain the cattle belonging to the God. So, uh, indeed, those are the the uh, 42 um, or principles of Mat Mahat, and I thought it would be appropriate for me to recite that. Uh, my wife is the one who actually made this knowledge available to me, and as I mentioned before, she is most learned in those areas, as I am indeed a humble student. Um, but I thought it behooved me to share in this evening's show uh, the teachings of uh, Swami Krishnapat uh, with the book that, titled, that is titled the spiritual warrior, and uh, delving into the the mysteries of uh, of the pyramid, um, and then other matters as well, uh, even reviewing some of the things that we spoke about earlier uh, in earlier shows. So uh, I will partake in that area of, of discussion, and and uh, those of you who are in the chat room, I welcome you, and I invite you to share uh, your thoughts with each other and any thoughts and and, uh, things that you'd like to be discussed on air, please feel free to indicate that and I will definitely uh, share that information with the listening audience. And of course, those of you who would like to tune in uh, in the chat room, the number to call in is 347-215-7331. And be sure to to, uh, press the number one button and that would indicate to me that you wish to uh, share your thoughts Uh, With us. So uh, I'm going to take a short break and I'll be back momentarily, and we will uh, embark on uh, reviewing the book titled Spiritual Warrior by Swami Krishnapad and uh, reviewing uh, his writings regarding the pyramids, ancient structures of mystery. structures of mystery uh, And Swami Krishna Part, he states that and, and I must also this for those of you who are not familiar with, with Swami Krishna Part, uh, uh who haven't listened in previous shows, uh, he was he's passed he's now an ancestor um, and he passed away I think somewhere somewhere in the area of uh, 2005. And uh, he was an author and a graduate of Princeton University and uh, director of the Institute of Applied Spiritual Technology in Washington, D.C. And as such, he was a consultant to many uh, dignitaries and leaders and um, educators and professors and scholars um, with regard to the uh, human relations and conflict resolution. And he also served as an international consultant Uh, to heads of states, uh, such as uh, uh, Nelson Mandela and other leaders of African countries and also in European countries, was a good friend of Muhammad Ali and quite a few other celebrities. And he dealt with uh, conveying and practicing the message of self-empowerment and community consciousness. Um, So I was very much impressed uh, with his writing some 30 years ago and uh, met a couple of his friends uh, through the community of the uh, ISHCON community. Uh, And I feel very blessed and humbled to be able to sit here uh, in the studio this evening to be able to share with you some of his writings and thoughts. So I just wanted to give you a brief overview of that, and and I shall continue now. Um, He states that there are not many subjects today that generate as much interest and speculation and conjecture as the pyramids. He states that for centuries the best archaeologists and pyramidologists and Egyptologists had had difficulty explaining them and the approach that will be taken here uh, in his writings is he says it's not a typical historical analysis or a sociological evaluation. Our goal is not to support Subtract from the significant amount of research that has been done uh, in this area by competent scholars, but instead uh, we want to uh, take you in another direction and one that examines the spiritual implications of the pyramids. Uh, before I continue, I just like to acknowledge that my my wife just walked into the studio. How are you doing, honey? I'm fine. How are you? Great, pretty good. I'm doing well, and it's good to see you oh, and thank have a business. you with I know you're busy. But, uh you know, please feel free to chime in whatever you would like to I uh, so indeed he states that uh he wants to t- explain his take on uh the significance of the pyramids uh that uh, were built in in Kemet, commonly known as egypt uh He states that the word pyramid itself stimulates great interest.
1: It has been written
0: that a a Rice cake of particular shape was popular in ancient Greece, and he referred he referred to uh, uh, as it was referred to as pyramids, and some believe it was the origin of the word pyramid. Uh, the most logical root of the word comes from the interpretation of the Greek words pyro, meaning fire, and uh, ninos, meaning middle referring to the five rituals that the ancient Greeks observed in the stone structures they uh, as they visited Kemet, uh, also known as Egypt. The Encyclopedia Britannica states that the Egyptian name for the pyramid was Men or or Miru. And he also stated that um, uh, an interesting fact is that the name Miru is also found in the ancient uh, Kissite and Vedic scriptures. The word Kushite is the term used to describe the inhabitants of the land of Kush. The original dark-skinned people occupied the area that is now part of northeastern Africa. And in the Kushite culture, there is the ancient capital known as Muro, and in the Puranas, the mountain of the gods is called Mura. Now um, this dwelling place of the demigods is described in the Bhagavad Gita Purana as the pyramid shaped peak. And this leads to the view that the pyramid shape is represented of Mount Meru. Pyramids exist not only on an African continent or on the African continent but also in Central and South America, Mexico, Carputia, Ethiopia, Somalia, Somalia rather, and India. The presence of these structures around the world highlights the fact that at one time a single world culture existed, consisting of a single empire known as the Kushite Empire. More than eighty pyramids were built along the banks of the Nile in ancient Kemet. The size of the pyramids is astounding. The Great Pyramid of Geyser was built by King Khufu. contains more than two and a quarter million stone blocks, each block weighing an average of two to one and, a half, two and one and a half tons. It originally stood 481 feet and covered a base of 13 acres. The Pyramid of the Sun in Tawakran, Mexico had even a larger base than the biggest pyramids in Kemet. The structure of the pyramids includes many chambers and there are tunnels like a subway that connect the geyser pyramids underground. And some of these tunnels lead into the intermost part of the planet Earth. It has been documented that a river of water can be found in the base of the pyramids. And this water is of spiritual significance since it represents the barrier between the material and the spiritual worlds. The pyramids are so awe inspiring that they have long been placed ab- uh, among the seven wonders of the ancient world, and the pyramids amaze both scientists and laypersons. More important information can be g- gained about the cosmos through the study of the construction and the function of the pyramids. And many experts believe that the pyramids are so significant that once they are understood, much of the mystery of human existence on this planet will be explained. It's very interesting. Uh, I have to take another brief break and I'll be back in a moment and we will continue. Hey. Okay. Um I must just uh, take a a a, a and thought and share this with you that uh one of the reasons why I, I read uh books such as Spiritual Warriors by Swami Krishnapat and other books similar to his. Um I know the title of my um uh show is Grassroots Holistic Health and uh I've shared this some while ago. And I was inspired by my wife to uh, share this with you uh, this evening. Uh, that the show is might lead one to think that when I mention, uh, when you read the word holistic uh, health, grassroots holistic health, that it implies just the body. But um, indeed, I, I'm talking about the health of mind, spirit, and body, uh, and not necessarily in that order. Uh, Spirit being first, I guess, and then mind, and then body. Uh, Because if your spirit is not healthy, then, of course, your body has a difficulty and your mind has a difficulty in being balanced. And, of course, if the mind is not healthy, you're not able to take care of the body appropriately. So the pyramid, to me, understanding how the ancient people from Kemet, um, uh, how they lived and what they believed, is I think a key into understanding the essence of what the spirit is, what the soul is. Because they they study very much so in that area. And uh I, I thank the most high for uh my being able to have my wife in my life, uh him making that arrangement through the uh the ancestors and and uh the, the guardians and angels who partook partook in that arrangement that uh I'm and at my age and uh, and this state of my journey uh is are able to avail myself to this uh, very 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 uh intriguing and important knowledge that uh especially those of us of African descent need to have within our uh our uh, knowledge base as it were, and to be able to share this with those in our family, especially in our children so that indeed they can understand that we come from a, a very, very uh, high level of intelligence, high level of spirituality, and that we have every right to be proud of ourselves and to hold our heads up high and understand that we are children of the Most High, children of God, and not children of a lower self or orientation or lower deity, so I just wanted to share that with you, and I want to take a moment to just actually thank my wife for uh, for that uh, uh, making herself available to me to have that knowledge. Oh, you're welcome. You know, so I I, I thank you for that. All right. So anyway, to continue, um, he states that who were the Egyptians, and he says that it is often wondered whether the pyramids were built by people like ourselves, even with the best technology. We cannot produce even a small replica of the Great Pyramid. The Nikon Company of Japan once tried without success to build a sizable pyramid using modern technology. One mishap after another forced them to abandon, to abandon the attempt. The more we understand who the Egyptians were and with whom they were connected, we can understand how it was possible for them to create such magnificent structures why they cannot be duplicated now. The scriptures tell us that in ancient times, there was a single landmass that covered the earth. In the Bhagavad Purana, it was called Jabudabha. It is often referred to as the Gautas Kuala land, and this landmass was divided into nine sections called continents of Vasas by different mountain ridges that were part of the central mountain. Mount Meru, the bulk of Meru, is now buried within the body of the earth, with only the peak of which is visible. Of the nine continents, only seven remain visible. The other two were submerged during the last continental shift and realignment of the earth. The lost two continents were properly known as Mu and Atlantis. It is believed by some that the Egyptians were descendants of the people of Mu. Others propound that they were products of the earlier Kersites who existed in Nubia, Ethiopia, and the Sudan. The people of Mu and Atlantis had great metaphysical abilities. They were God-conscious, highly sensitive, loving, communal, and very spiritually attuned. The Atlanteans were experts in mysticism and energy conversion, and were intellectually and mentally advanced. They were not, however, as spiritual as the people of Mu. The land of Mu was destroyed by a change in the Earth's axis, and after the Mu fell, some of the people migrated to Atlantis. Atlantis was also later destroyed. Both downfalls were accelerated by misuse of mystical knowledge. And after these two landmasses were destroyed, most souls left their bodies and went to other planets or universes. Some souls were forewarned and took shelter in the inner Earth. And these entities became the ones to recede the planet. This is similar to situations now where some leaders have been warned to relocate their communities in certain areas to prepare for oncoming calamities. As a new phase of human civilization began on Earth, those who remained on the planet propagated the species and some souls who had left their bodies during the destruction returned. And those souls who took shelter in the inner earth did not immediately become part of the activities on the surface. The offspring of those who propagated the species naturally inherited higher knowledge about the cosmos. A significant segment of the people of Egypt possess, possess this ancient knowledge this explains a paradox that often challenges historians. There was never a time when the ancient Egyptians were primitive. They were always at a high level of achievement. Now, he talks about the people of the inner earth. He states that, that every planet is populated inside as well as outside. And uh, that's something that might be hard to uh, to discern. Of course, um, within a hundred years or uh, so, that our technology has been advancing to the point that I'm able to speak with you through a uh, a contraption, uh, a, a a rectangular uh, box contraption that is able to transmit my uh, words that I speak to you all over the world, as well as have a a studio that has a monitor uh, in front of me. Uh, that is able to manipulate uh, uh, data uh, and 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 also frequencies and currency and energy in such a way that you are able to interpret it and to make some type of intelligent meaning from this interpretation and translation. Uh, it says a lot because some hundred years ago this could never have been fathom. It could not have been imagined. That I would be doing this, and you would be doing what you're doing, such as sitting there listening to what I'm saying through the apparatus that we're using so indeed, um, many of us as laymen lay persons are not able to explain the dynamics of light, uh, and light of course we recognize comes in different fashions and different levels of understanding and comprehension, from infrared uh, to incandescent to iridescent to fluorescent. To, uh this uh on uh, we would go on maybe about ten different other levels of explaining the uh, energy of light as we know it to be, and we understand that that's just really the tip of the iceberg uh in terms of that knowledge so when um, Swami Krishnapo talks about every planet uh, is populated inside as well as outside, he states that God is so fantastic that life can be found everywhere. And that life doesn't have to be as we know life to be. You know, um, just like a baby is not able to explain uh, the the in, in, intricate aspects of what life is about and how it came into being, and it has to consult us as their parents, mom or, or dad, to explain how they came to be. Indeed, there are many uh, levels of knowledge that we are not aware of, even though we are adults. And um, we're still Always, we never stop learning, of course. Uh, So there are different entities and different levels of that entity, of these entities that are alive. And he states that the entities from the inner earth are very close to us. They have gained much wisdom because they fled from the activities of war and natural catastrophes. They were able to survive because their consciousness is one of compassion and love, because they are of a a subtler nature. They are not always manifest in this plane, and they can choose whether they want to be visible or not. Beings of the inner earth have the ability to visit here using energy conversion, and these beings have the ability to create force fields that can penetrate the ocean, opening it up to allow their vessels to come in and out. An example is the uh, Bermuda triangle. The ships and planes that disappear Involved in inner earth people, and sometimes inner earth personalities cause volcano eruptions and hurricanes, and as a reaction to the testing of nuclear bombs in their atmosphere. At other times, there is a need for them to release a particular energy that often manifests in the forms of earthquakes and volcanoes. And the real reason for this phenomenal activity, however, is the collective karma of the individuals on the planet itself. The ancient Egyptians were related to the beings of Mew and Atlantis and had full knowledge of the beings of the inner earth. They were very powerful beings with great knowledge and extraterrestrial contacts. And much of what was accomplished regarding the pyramids was due to these connections. And he goes on to state that um, the buildings of the pyramids, there are numerous and varied accounts of how the pyramids were built. Greek historian Herodotus asserted that groups of 100,000 men worked for 20 years to build the Great Pyramid. Other perspectives are that 4,000 skilled laborers worked all year round. Many have the conception that the stones were dragged up ramps that grew as the pyramids rose, and the ramps were later dismantled. And some researchers question these theories. For example, some say that in order for a ramp theory to be true, the ramps would have to be more sophisticated than the pyramids themselves. They would have to be expanded and extended so fast that it would be impossible to build the pyramids. And he also states that information regarding how the pyramids were built is known by some secret societies, especially the Masonic Order. The major architect of the pyramids was Enhotep. He was responsible for most, most, much of the knowledge of the mystical schools and Enhotep was considered to be an incarnation of the son of God and thus was the same category as Jesus an empowered representative of the Godhead he was and, and for about two and a half years or should I say two and one half years Enhotep uh, planned the construction of the major pyramids the actual work took less than six years and how is this possible when scientists basing their estimates on present-day technology claim that the Great Pyramid could not have been completed in less than 20 years? One key aspect was the use of laser energy for cutting the stone, and this explains the smooth cut of the blocks that amazes scientists. Another critical aspect was that through the process of converting energy and raising vibrations, the Egyptians were able to counteract gravity and literally levitate the stones with minimum expenditure of human energy. And this is how the construction of the pyramids were possible. To many people, this perspective may seem highly unlikely, but consider the vast amount of knowledge our contemporary science have acquired with much less capabilities and connections than the ancient Egyptians. Realistically, then, there must have been knowledge of superior technologies that is untapped by present-day minds. So, uh, that's that's quite a bit. Uh, I, I must continue, though, because this is really something that he, he states here. He says that the pyramids place of worship and the tomb of death. There have been widespread speculation about the purpose of the pyramids, and much has been made about the presence of the bodies of the pharaohs found in the inner chambers of the pyramids, and the great wealth that was placed with them. And this has led to the perception that the pyramids function as elaborate burial grounds for the dead. However, the purpose of the pyramids was much was much greater than this. The main function of the pyramids was to worship the Supreme and the many demigods that served them. The ancient Egyptians considered themselves descendants of the sun, and part of the dynasty of the sun. And ancient cultures considered themselves descendants of either the sun or the moon. And this is the case with the people of Somalia, for example, where Soma means moon, and Ali means God. Palomajara is also known as the mountain of the moon. And in Egypt, worship of the sun was prominent, Ra being the name for the sun. And in Sanskrit, Ra means shining light or brilliant. The Bhagavad Puranas state that people generally worship the Supreme Lord in the form of Sura Varangana, who is the sun god. Pyramids were used as temples in which fire sacrifices and rituals were performed. The pyramids were like a miniature universe in that it represented the structures of the universe. From the subterranean planets through the heavenly planets and upwards into the spiritual realm, the spiritual world was represented by the zenith, or the tip of the pyramid, which was encased of black stone and ammonite, a representation of the Supreme Lord. And it is interesting to note that in the Egyptian language, the words amen and aman, aman mean concealed. And similarly, in Sanskrit, the same word amanan means God hidden. Both aman um, and and the Vedic scripture represent divinity of God in the hidden form. Another of the major functions of the pyramids was to act as a navigating element for extraterrestrial beings. When they were first built, the pyramids were coated with limestone and could be seen for miles and miles. The pyramids were like amplifiers, allowing communication between the priests and these beings. The perfectly executed construction allowed such communication to take place. The communication between those on earth and the other beings was not unusual at that time. The elaborate and precise worship in which the priests of the temples engaged created an atmosphere conducive to contact with the demigods. And not only did the demigods come and go freely, but they had personal exchanges with the earthly beings. These relationships were possible because of the purity of the consciousness of the Earth inhabitants at that time. And as the collective consciousness became less God consciousness and more degraded, these types of exchanges diminished in frequency. So uh, I'm going to take another break, and I shall resume. We're about at the... uh, at the halfway point and um, I will continue uh discussing the uh the fantastic attributes of the structures the pyramids the mystical structures Okay, I I must say that a lot of what I'm reading is some of the things that I've read before and and discussed and so forth, and of course, as you reread and and rethink uh, a lot of what many of us do not know about with regard to the ancient uh, traditions uh, coming from Africa, specifically from uh, the land of Kemet. Um, commonly known as Egypt and um, and the technology and the, the spirituality, the highly advanced consciousness it leads one to understand that the reason why we have the problems that we have in our communities today uh, especially within those of us of African descent is because of this lack of knowledge uh, this lack of awareness of self uh, awareness of our history of our story as it were as opposed to history, uh, his story, and um, I I just must say that uh, there's a lot to be said, and even the word her story, for that matter, because uh, at one time, women were looked upon as being leaders just as much as the men were, in terms of uh, various uh, levels of knowledge, and uh, when that was uh, changed, uh, we began to suffer, Uh, we began to not have the richness of understanding of our history and, and our culture. So uh, I, I'm, I'm most excited when I read and share books such as uh, Spirits Warrior that this knowledge can be accessed uh, through our archives and also that uh, those who hear this information and read it uh, by purchasing the books such as this, uh, books that I read and have read in the past, that we can have ongoing dialogue within our family and within our community so that we can go back to uh, a collective level of high consciousness so that we can rid ourselves of all the negative energy and negative activity that is involved in our communities. So I just thought I'd share that thought, and I will continue. Um, Krishna um, Swami Krishnapada states that to better understand why bodies were placed in the pyramids One must examine Egyptian philosophy. The Egyptians believed that because the Pharaoh was a representative of God, he would become a god in his death. And therefore, they were very particular about the arrangements made for him both in life and death. Once the representative of God left the body, he was placed in a shrine called a samadhi, or a place of final trance. And in his own assigned chamber, within the pyramid temple structure, this was done because the king of Pharaoh, or the Pharaoh, was considered a divine representative of the supreme Godhead. And because his body was considered to be spiritualized, it could not be disposed of in an ordinary manner. And this practice of placing the representatives of God in, in special burial chambers still occurs in modern-day India, for spiritual masses, since they are considered revered saints, revered saints. And these Samahis are found in the temple structures and become places of pilgrimage for those seeking spiritual advancement. The Egyptians believed in the concept of the Ba and the Ka. The Ba is the soul, and the Ka is the spiritual duplicate of the physical body. The Ka is spiritual in nature, created at birth and released by the body at death. The Egyptians believed that the soul, the Ba, remained within the mummy of the Pharaoh in the heart region, and that the car would travel between the material universe and the spiritual universe. The car could come back and forth as long as the physical body could be recognized. So often the statue of the person would be placed in the tomb, and a mask in the likeness of the person would be placed over the mummy. The Egyptians believed that once a person was entombed, the journey of the chambers of judgment would begin. And at the end of that journey, the soul's past activities would be judged by a karmic board, which would determine one's next life based on the activities during one's past life. One's consciousness and commitment to service would be factors considered by the board. The god Anubis would weigh the heart of the deceased person against the feather of Mahat, the goddess of justice. The more negative karma a person had accumulated, The heavier was the heart. And if the heart was too heavy, it would outweigh the feather, and the heart would be consumed by a monster. In this conception, the soul would then become an evil spirit forever in opposition to the gods. And if the heart passed the test, it would go to live with Osiris and Yalu, the heavenly kingdom. There is an ancient, there is an evident connection between the Egyptian culture and that of Sudan, Ethiopia, and Ghana. For example, there are many similarities between the inner activities of the pharaoh and that of the Asante Hini, the cultural president of Ghana. This is not surprising, because history tells us that when the Egyptians left Egypt, they migrated to Sudan and Ghana, where some of the knowledge of the ancient practices is still available, we have personally observed these similar practices in our exchanges with the Asante Heni. There is always a person seated at the right foot of the Asante Heni representing his soul. This person is usually a young boy called the Kra, which means soul in the Akan language. In Egypt, when the pharaohs left their bodies, they usually did not go alone. Some close attendants were sent with them. When the Asante Heni leaves his body, those personal attendants closest in service to him would leave with him. Until recently, a hundred others also had to leave. And when the Asante Henny leaves his body, his departure is usually not announced for a while. When it is announced, those individuals are, who are to leave with him have already been chosen. And those persons who are part of the internal entourage have been trained for this role. There are to be attendants in the hereafter. And thus, practices that existed thousands of years ago are still operating now, and he talks about deity worship and idol occupation. The temples of ancient Egypt held magnificent statues that the Egyptians worshiped. They had the understanding that a living essence dealt within these statues dwelt within these statues. The Bible condemns idol worship. But this practice was not idol worship. Idol worship exists when people create something from their own imaginations and then worship that concoction as God. In one sense, idol worship is anything that you consider more important than God, whether it's your car, your house, or your job, anything that takes priority over serving the Lord. Confusion has developed concerning the difference between idol worship and deity worship. Many people mistake deities for idols. However, in deity worship, mantras are recited that invite a spiritual presence into what, by external experience, would seem to be wood, stone, or marble. Just as the wind can come into a building, certain spiritual elements can come inside a physical structure. The soul is inside the physical body, yet when the soul leaves, the body is called a corpse. The confusion occurs when the uninitiated think that the eternal form is the spiritual essence itself the priests daily practices deity worship. many religious traditions have some of some kind of form of uh, which they worship reverence for the icon serves as a catalyst for spiritual growth and originally deity worship had authorized standards describing how the priest was to construct the stature and authorized techniques for worshiping it. If you were to travel back in time and witness the daily worship of the deity in Egypt, you would observe very precise, purposeful devotional activities. Before sunrise, the God's meal would be prepared, and at dawn, the priests and the priests will awaken the God with melody and song as they went in procession to the shrine. The priests had undergone purification who had undergone purification, entered the shrine and proceeded to bathe, dress, and decorate the deity with costly ornaments. They then burned sweet incense and offered the food and drink they had prepared. The food, now considered to be sanctified, was removed and later distributed amongst the priests. At midday and in the evening, further meals were cooked and offered to the deity, and at night the deity was put to bed. The room was purified by incense and was carefully swept and put in order for the next day's activity. By observing and studying the daily lives of the temple priests, we can understand that they were not involved in a whimsical activity concocted from their minds. Their lives reflected the authorized techniques and rituals with which they worshipped the deities. Priests were allowed only with many privileges, but they were also expected to lead simple and austere lives. They had high standards of cleanliness and were to eat and drink moderately, abstaining from certain from certain foods such as pork and fish. They bathed twice a day and shaved their heads and bodies every three days. Their clothes were simple, fine white linen cloth, and they wore white sandals. Not all priests were allowed to perform deity worship. They were authorized by spiritual masters. There were several levels in the priesthood assigned to each demigod. Some priests wore distinctive clothing to show their position. And the priests who were responsible for the chanting of the mantras also wore a sash across their chest. And these daily practices of an ancient priesthood could be seen today in the lives of Brahmin priests in South India and fetish priests of West Africa. Even today, many of these practices remain intact. However, due to the low consciousness in present-day human civilization, it is considered that people not involve themselves in deity worship to the same degree as the past. And then he talks about that there are, uh, mystical matches There are two principal mantras techniques, both of which involve uh, repetition. One is verbal repetition, and the other is a written form. And both are potent in affecting the consciousness. The art of mantra, mantra repetition is known to people of the different mystery schools who have acquired this confidential knowledge. They write certain mantras on their own bodies or chant certain mantras to ward off negative energy and attract positive energy. In Egypt, when death rituals were performed, the priest would write various mantras on the chest of the mummy. The priest would also write mantras for protection on all almanacs and place them around the neck of the mummy. The Egyptian Book of the Dead, also known as the Book of Coming Forth by Day, explains certain rituals on how to open the mouth. And this does not refer to the physical mouth, but to the calling of the ka and to the statue of its owner, endowing the stature with the faculties of a living person. And this was all done by the power of mantras, or uh, hikku written on the body of the mummy, or on the person's, person's statue. When you chant a mantra, you are invoking the energy with which the mantra is associated. And this is similar to when you call some, someone's name, you are bringing that person to you. Mantras also po- provided protection to the tombs so that when intruders entered the tombs, they fell prey to a curse. And in many cases, grave robbers died when they broke into the tomes, tombs. The deaths of the intruders were arranged by two mechanisms. The first involved the priest making a potent force field by chanting mantras. And second, the priest was so astute in science, they could arrange for radiations to affect the cells of a person passing through it, causing an immediate reaction. Mantra chanting is so potent that certain ancient priests could take someone's life through incantations Even today, there are people, especially in India, Africa, and South America, who know the science of chanting mantras and can heal the sick through the process of, soul, of sound proud, vibration. Before ceremonies for certain rites of passage were performed, the priest would recite specific mantras so the participants could recognize the priest's power. We should always remember that activities such as mantra chanting and deity worship should be undertaken in the mood of Lord, Thy will be done. These spiritual technologies actually allow us to make spiritual connections to help our consciousness focused on the will of the Lord, understanding that the Lord actually always is here for us. So he states also that there are some mysteries. mystery schools had to practice underground to protect the ancient wisdom, making it available for initiates only, and they knew the dangers associated with offering this knowledge openly to common people that abuse his power. So next week I will go over that uh, information, review that information, and share it with you uh, about the secret orders that uh, kept this knowledge uh, under close, uh, guarded secret. Uh, I must acknowledge that my sister is listening, and I send you love and, and good healing vibration and prayer, and I thank you so much for tuning in, Donis. Um, and I I hope that indeed what I've shared with you and the rest of the listening audience and those of you who access the archives will have found this information to be not only intriguing but also informative and helpful to you and your present present journey in this lifetime. So uh, we're about to end in a few more minutes. And uh, those of you in the chat room, I I thank you also for uh tuning in and uh sharing your evening with us. Uh it's really a privilege and uh, and an honor to be able to uh share uh the energy, this uh uh knowledge with with all of you and I encourage of course you to spread the word and to uh uh indeed feel free to engage in dialogue uh amongst yourselves and of course Uh, to share any thoughts that you would like to have shared on the air. So, again, thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Um, And we look forward to uh, reviewing uh, Spiritual Warrior by Swami Krishnapar again next week and uh, delving within uh, the secret societies uh, that uh, have uh, extrapolated information from uh, from Kemet also known as Egypt, and and uh, and of course, this knowledge now is accessible through the venues such as uh, uh, the internet, through through uh, uh, just being able to put in certain tag words into Google and other search engines, and come up with just a plethora of information uh, that it used to be only accessible if one was enrolled or, or had to pay. Uh, a certain amount of, well, a lot of money to just engage in a workshop, if not take classes. This is now accessible, free of charge. And uh, again, I, I, without being redundant, I'm very um, humbled and, 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 and it's gratified, and very gratified to be able to be a facilitator of this information. As I share, I'm also um, learning as well. I always use the expression, each one, reach one, teach one. So we all are students and we all are teachers on uh, on one level or another. So uh, mm, my wife is cooking. She just cooked dinner, and it just smells so good. And it couldn't be more timely to end the show and to be able to uh, savor some of her. She's a great cook, I must tell you one. Okay. And, uh, you know, they say a way to a man's heart is through his stomach. And oh, well, that was the only way she got to my heart, but it was a good start. <laughs> when we first started dating. so Yeah, honey, I mean, that smells good. It's a late dinner. A late dinner, yes, yes. We should be eating much earlier. Absolutely. And that's something that I want to share in the next show. Uh, of course, uh, I want to share the fact that uh, those of you who are not, to consider drinking at least eight glasses of water a day and um, eating as much vegetables and fruit as possible, starting your mornings off with a fruit are a uh, combination of different fruits so that your body can become um, um, alkaline and and, and and not ascetic. Um, also to walk at least a half an hour a day so that indeed you energize the body and, and exercise so that uh, your organs, especially the heart, uh, can pump uh, uh, the blood more efficiently and to uh, bring yourself up to a high level of consciousness uh, as a result of your body being in a high state of of health. So, um, yes, we are both vegetarians. My wife and I have been a vegetarian for going on 25 years. She's going on six years now. And, of course, I encourage those of you who are not vegetarians to consider that as a possibility. Uh, And, of course, you don't have to be a vegetarian to be healthy. Uh, and if you have to eat meat, let it be not pork, let it be uh, meat that is not uh, loaded with fat. And, uh, and if you eat fish, let it be freshwater fish, salmon being the best. Uh, and, of course, 90 seconds. lay off the white sugar, the salt. If you're going to eat salt, you use sea salt. And there's, there's a host of things that I'll be sharing with you, but I'm happy I could squeeze that in. Uh, my wife walked into the studio eating, so that uh, prompted me to start talking about health uh, uh, issues and and these uh, thoughts that I thought might be beneficial to share. So, again, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate your time uh, spending with us this evening. We'll continue next week uh, reviewing uh, Spiritual Warrior. So I end as I do most shows by... Also, actually, by giving praise to the Most High, as I say, dear God, we give this evening to you, and may our minds stay centered on the things of spirit and goodness, and may we not be tempted to stray from love. And as we begin this week, we open to receive you. Please enter where you already abide. May our minds and hearts be pure and true, and may we not deviate from the things of goodness. May we see the love and innocence in all mankind behind the masks we all wear and the illusions of this worldly plane. We surrender to you our doings this evening. We ask only that they serve you in the healing of the world, and may we bring your love and goodness with us to give unto others wherever we go. Make us the people you would have us be, and show us what you would have us do. Make the world a safer, more beautiful place. Bless all your creatures. Heal us all, and use us, dear Lord, that we might know the joy of being used by you. We thank you again. Namaste, shalom, assalamu alaikum, one love, all my belongings, peace and blessings, God bless to you all.